0: As you listen to that story of uh, transformation, I wonder if with some of you that's resonating and you're longing in your soul and saying, I wish I had that confidence. I wish I knew for sure that my sins were forgiven. I wish I had that same assurance that she described. And friends, I want you to know there's no better way to start a new year than with a new life in Jesus Christ. And that new life comes when you recognize that it's not a matter of you earning his favor by self-effort but receiving the gift of grace that was given on the cross when Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for your sins. When you acknowledge that you're a sinner and you receive that gift by faith through prayer, then you can know that you have a new life and you are beginning a new year with a new life. Maybe that you're here, you're listening at home, and more important than anything else in the service would be for you to just bow and pray right now and say, God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need to embrace the good news of Jesus Christ for myself. And that would be, wouldn't it be, the best way to start a new year? I'm Jim Jeffrey, one of the pastors here at Chapel Point, and I just want to wish all of you a happy new year. Good to have you here today, and we're excited about being able to uh, share with you as we begin this new year. I think that new year often brings with it a sense of opportunity, a fresh hope, and new beginnings, But I just would have to acknowledge, when I look back in the last couple of years, um, it's not been as optimistic. I I think about the fact that we've gone through a pandemic and economic challenges, a war in Ukraine, moral challenges, and political rancor. And personally, 2022, some of you have lost loved ones. I know in our family, we lost four people to death during this past year in our extended family. And uh, medical issues, maybe, that you have faced. Some of you have faced family struggles that are part of your experience right now, or unemployment. I I know just as a pastor that that there are people here today that are struggling with anxiety and depression. And so for you, thinking about a new year is really a challenge for you. One of the things that we've learned in these last couple of years is that um, there's a lot that we don't know about what's going to happen, right? But God knows. And we're not in control of a whole lot that affects our lives. But God is in control, and it makes a difference. So how can we face the uncertainties of a new year with confidence and faith in a God that we do know? It's interesting that Jesus had a conversation with one of his followers named Peter in the upper room with all the other disciples gathered around, and he told the disciples about his betrayal and his trial, and his suffering, and his death, and his resurrection. And they didn't understand, and they didn't want to hear it. Their world was going to spin out of control radically and quickly. And they were going to find out they weren't in control, but God was. And I want you to just follow along as I, as I show you in the Scriptures the conversation that Jesus had with Peter in the upper room. He's directing his comments to Peter, even though the other disciples are listening, and we're kind of listening in, too, to this conversation right now, okay? He said, Simon, Simon, it's Peter, Peter. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, when you've done uh, repentance, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you even know me. you got to believe that Peter's world was rocked with what Jesus just said. Jesus actually says to Peter, listen, um, I'm going to use an illustration that you would understand, and that is being sifted. They lived in an agricultural world, and they understood that sifting happened when you took the the grain that you had harvested, and you took it up to a threshing floor that was on a high elevated area, you took a pitchfork and you threw it up in the air, and the wind would blow away the lighter part of that, the chaff, from the wheat. I grew up working on a farm, and we would take the chaff, what you call the chaff of oats, and we would actually use that for bedding for cattle. But we would take the grain and turn it into feed. And so the chaff and the wheat being separated would mean that the wheat would be ready to make bread, and the rest of it would be just blown away. And so the chaff is Peter's pride, his self-reliance, his character weaknesses. And Jesus said, I'm promising, Peter, when Satan is sifting you through this time of betrayal, I'm going to be praying for you. I want to encourage you with something. The Bible tells us that God ever lives to make intercession for us. He is praying for us right now. He's praying for you and for me when we're in the sifter. And he says, I'm praying particularly that your faith would not fail. Your faith is like the weed, It's the part that has to remain. It's the most important part of you is your faith in God, your faith in God. So Jesus predicts Peter's denial, but also his restoration he said, Peter, when you have turned again, like a Michigan U-turn, you, you, when you've repented and you've gone the other way, I want you to strengthen your brothers. I want you to encourage their faith, which is exactly what Peter does. Peter encourages the faith of believers on the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, and writing two letters, First and Second Peter. It's interesting, when you look at First Peter, he talks about faith in his opening and his conclusion. Listen to some of these things that Peter expresses. He said, who by God's power are guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed. He says, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, might result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So rather than the sifter, he said, the testing of your faith is like the refining of gold. And the gold is the faith, and the refining takes the impurities out of the faith. He said, though you do not see him, I've never seen Jesus physically, neither have you. But he says, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls, the ultimate deliverance when we go to heaven. And then in verse 21 of 1 Peter 1, he says, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope may be in God. So Peter starts off his first letter talking about faith and the refining of the faith and the importance of faith. He ends that letter by talking about faith and actually talks about Satan's activity in the life of the believer. He said, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. So rather than the one who's sifting, he's a lion and we are sheep. Friends, sheep are defenseless without a shepherd. And so he says, Satan is like a lion, and he said, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced in your brotherhood through the world. So Peter, in his first letter, talks about suffering, but he talks about faith. When Jesus talked to Peter, he talked about the trial of sifting and faith. Peter in his second letter is also going to talk about that. I want you to stand with me for the reading of the Word of God as we look at Peter's opening words in 2 Peter chapter 1. As, as You know the, how to do this here. When I pause, it means you're going to read the next word or phrase, okay? So here we go. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a... Of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Confirm your calling and election. His divine power has granted you all things that pertain unto life and through the knowledge of Him who called you by His own and by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, that through them you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every to your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with and godliness with And brotherly affection with... And if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or... In the... Of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is... Having... That he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more... To confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never... For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the Church. that you have. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So Peter is writing this second letter during a time when he knew he was going to die. In verse 14, as we read that, he said that, I know that I'm going to die, the time of my departure. So this is Peter's last letter before he dies, and we know from church history that Peter was crucified outside the city of Rome, upside down on a cross, because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like his Lord and Savior Jesus. And Peter's talking about this trial that he's going through, And his purpose in this letter and what we just read is to fortify the faith of believers, to fortify your faith and to fortify my faith. And I can't think of a a better thing in the beginning of a new year than to fortify our faith. Not knowing what's coming, knowing we're not in control, we need to fortify our faith. As we go through the sifter, as we go through the refining process, to have a faith that's going to stand in the midst of all of that. And so as we, we think about what Peter went through, it's interesting, I, I wonder how many of you have already made at least one New Year's resolution. Not very many of you. There's still time. This is still New Year's Day, so you've still got time to do that. You know, the interesting thing is New Year's resolutions are kind of interesting because only 9% of people that make them will keep them. 9% of people that will make a New Year's resolution will actually keep them. And many New Year's resolutions have to do with the person saying, I'm going to diet this year and lose the weight. I'm going to exercise this year, and I'm going to go to the doctor and get that appointment and get the tests I need to get done. Some of you need to make those kind of things uh, as your resolution. Well, in the same way with our faith, we need to learn how to feed our faith. We need to learn how to grow and exercise our faith. And we need to learn how to test our faith. And Peter addresses all of those three in this passage of Scripture. In verses 1 to 4, I want you to notice that Peter talks about feeding your faith. As you get down to verse 3, he talks about the promises of God. He uses the word, the precious promises. In verse 4, he's granted to us precious and very great promises. The word precious is used by Peter to speak of the shed blood of Jesus Christ of Christ as a precious cornerstone, and how He is the the uh, even our trials, our faith is precious to God. So the promises of God are precious, and that they're valuable, but they're also great in that they're immense in size. And what He's really saying here is that we need to feed our faith the Word of God. We need to feed our faith the Word of God. Someone said to me years ago, as a young Christian. Feed your faith and doubts will starve to death. Feed your faith and doubts will starve to death. Well, how do we feed our faith? Friends, you feed your faith the Word of God. Paul in Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He wrote to Timothy and said in 2 Timothy 3, 15, From a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. So here he's saying, we need to have the promises of God. We need to feed our faith the promises of God. Jerry Bridges, an author that I've greatly appreciated, now home in heaven, wrote these words. It is impossible to practice godliness without a constant, consistent, and balanced intake of the Word of God in our lives. It's impossible. So we need to feed our faith. Here's what he says. When we feed our faith, we will experience God's power. Verse 3. We'll experience the power of God. How many of you would like to have more experience of the power of God in your life? The way to do that, friends, is to feed your faith, to feed your faith the Word of God. That's what he says. His divine power is given to us everything we need for life and godliness that will tap into the grace of God for our life, that will tap into the grace of God for godliness if we feed our faith the promises of God. He says that ha- comes to us through his, the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence. Last week, Pastor Joel was preaching about the glory of God. And friends, if we're going to glorify God, if we're going to enjoy the glory of God, it's going to be through the word of God getting into us as we feed our faith scripture. We'll respond to God's call with glory and excellence. An amazing statement here. He said through these promises in verse 4, you might become partakers of the divine nature. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean, and then I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you become God. It does mean you become more like Christ. It means that you take on the character qualities that are God's character qualities through the promises of God as you feed your faith. You know, I've noticed that there are some attributes or characteristics of God that God doesn't share with me. For instance, I've tried, but I've never been omnipresent. I'm limited to one place at one time. With all the time management and technology, I'm still limited to one place at one time. I'm not omnipotent. I can't do everything. I'm not omniscient. Even in this information age, I don't know everything. And I'm not sovereign. I'm not in control. But there are some attributes of God he shares with us. He says, be holy because I am holy. He said, you're to love like I love. My grace is to be shown in your life, my compassion in your life, my mercy in your life. My righteousness needs to be lived out in you. How does that happen, that transfer of character into our lives? It happens through the promises of God. And then he says, "We will, in that same way, we'll be able to escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Some of you are struggling with temptation and with bondage to sin. And, friends, I want to tell you, God has given you his word to liberate you and to cleanse you and to set you free. When Jesus was tempted three times, he quoted Scripture three times. And, friends, if you'll learn that the intake of the word of God in the very areas where you're battling sin and temptation, by memorizing Scripture, by having the word of God in you, so one of the New Year's resolutions I want to encourage you to make, and plenty of you have got a lot of space in your, in your um, planner for New Year's resolutions, it sounds like, ought to be an intake of the Word of God. There's five spiritual practices as it relates to the Bible. Reading, listening, studying, memorizing, and meditating. Five spiritual practices in the Bible. And one of the things I want to suggest to you, you're here already listening to the Word of God, so you're accomplishing one of them, if you're tuned in, by the way, if you're really tuned in. Listening to the Word of God means someone else is doing the teaching, and I'm receiving it, and I'm gaining benefit from it. Reading the Word of God means I'm taking larger portions of Scripture, and I'm having a conversation with God through prayer, asking God to show me something for my life and something to worship Him about. So reading for me is bigger chunks prayerfully, and then saying, God, who are you? What do you have for my life? And friends, I want, to, I want you to know, if you will do that daily and have a plan for reading the Bible daily, you're going to find you're going to be feeding your faith. You're going to be feeding your faith. Studying the Bible is getting together with others and digging in. That's why we have equipped classes, opportunities, and our essential classes to be able to help you study the Word of God and learn together with others so that you're feeding your faith as you study. And meditating in the Word of God it's something you do because you are reading and studying and listening and memorizing. And you get a chance just to think about it and to reflect on it, to chew it up and digest it into your life. So here's the first thing I want to challenge you with. You need to have a steady diet of intake of the Word of God, intentionally. It was so encouraging after the first service, several people walked out and said, I'm going to do that. Matter of fact, one brother said, I've got a plan to read through the entire Bible this year. Friends, whatever your plan is, have one. Have one and follow it and let God speak to you through the Word of God this year. Feed your faith. Feed your faith. Secondly, grow your faith. Grow your faith. Just like exercise, you need to exercise your faith to be able to grow it, to fortify your faith. And Peter begins to talk then about character. He said, uh, first of all, make every effort in verse 5 to supplement your faith. Make every effort is the idea of being diligent, of being consistent with it. We all know that an exercise program requires some diligence, some consistency. He's saying we need to be consistent and growing out of our faith The character qualities he's going to talk about. And he says, listen, add to your faith or supplement your faith. Not that faith itself is lacking, but faith needs to be then the roots from which your character grows. I've learned in spending enough time with God's people that some of you are characters but we're talking about developing character a little bit different developing character what kind of character do we need to develop he says start with your faith start with your trust and reliance on God and then he says add to your faith virtue and virtue is moral uh, excellence moral character Virtue is the the character quality of having your conscience being tuned by the Word of God so that you have a sensitivity to sin because of the fear of God in your life. It's it's interesting to me. He doesn't say add to your faith knowledge first. Why? Because if you don't add to your faith moral virtue, you will not be able to gain the knowledge of God through his Word. So he's saying deal with sin, deal with your conscience, adjust your conscience not to the culture around you, but to the spirit inside you. Adjust your conscience, not to the philosophy of a world that's gone crazy, but to the Word of God that has truth to set you free. So moral character. He said, then add to your moral character, add knowledge. Knowledge is not simply information. Let me give you a definition of what Peter means when he uses the word knowledge. He uses it several times in this passage. Knowledge is truth in the context of relationship. Knowledge is truth revealed by God, but in the context of relationship. In other words, it's not enough to simply know about God. We need to know God. Truth in the context of relationship. Jesus is a shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Truth in the context of relationship. So add to your faith moral excellence, moral excellence, knowledge. And then he says, add to that self-control. Self-control is the mastery of desires rather than your desires mastering you. Proverbs 25, 28 says that a man who does not have self-control is like a city without walls, left defenseless. So for some of you, you need to say, hey, I need to develop self-control in my life, self-discipline in my life, in order to grow spiritually, in order to fortify my faith. By the way, as you're listening to these, I hope you're kind of keying in and saying, which is the one that God's challenging me about today for this new year that I need to be focusing on? Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control. The next one is steadfastness or perseverance. It's endurance under pressure. Friends, I wish I could promise you that 2023 was not going to be a year of stress for you. I can't make that promise. You know I can't. There's some stress we bring upon ourselves. I've been responsible of doing that to myself by overcommitting to things and doing that. No one else here has ever done that, I'm sure. But the kind of pressure Peter's talking about is a pressure that just comes from living life in this world. And steadfastness is the ability to endure under stress, under pressure, because of your character. And so steadfastness is that endurance of saying, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to cut out. I'm going to continue to follow Christ, even when it, goes, it gets tough. Then he says, add to your steadfastness godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is a life that is centered on your relationship with the true and living God. It means you remove from your heart every other idol, every false God, and that God himself is at the center of your life, that your perspective and your values and your decision making are all come from that relationship with God. That's godliness. Godliness is a God-centered life. That's what it is. And friends, if you want to have joy, live a God-centered life, godliness. He then says, add to your godliness brotherly kindness or brotherly affection. That's actually the word Philadelphia. Now, friends, I used to live near Philadelphia. I've been there many times, and it's, it's uh, called the city of brotherly love. But if you spent much time there, it's more like the city of brotherly shove. I mean, it really is. But sorry, anybody here from Philadelphia, I just want to tell you, that's true of Philadelphia. What other football team in the NFL has a brand-new stadium, Monday night football, and they're booing their home team? Only in Philadelphia could that happen, okay? But brotherly love is the need and the relationship we have with one another in the body of Christ. That's what it's talking about. Friends, that's why small groups matter. You gather together with 12 or 14 other people, and you do life together, and you pray together, and you learn together, and you support one another, and you care for one another, and you serve together. And friends, some of you aren't yet in a small group. And I want to just challenge you, that ought to be one of the commitments you make in 2023, to say, I'm going to band together with brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to do life with them. And you talk to uh, Pastor Andrew Dodd, and he will be glad. We have 103 small groups right now in our church, but we will make new ones for you. We will, because it matters to us that you do life. Friends, your Christian life is personal, but it's not private. You need other people and I'll tell you the testimonies coming out of small groups in this church about how lives are being changed and the kind of fellowship that is happening there, living out to one another's—that's brotherly love. And the last one he said is love. This is this is that agape love, that sacrificial love, which is the opposite of selfishness. And in the Bible, every list of Christian character—that's the apex. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. In every place you find a list of Christian character, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, all those character qualities are there. You look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, love is the starting point of that. You look in Colossians 3 or Ephesians 4, it's, it's, it's there. Love is the apex. In other words, if you love God and love others, all these other qualities will show up in your life. So before we go any further, I just say to you that um, I re- recently my brother-in-law, who lives in Virginia, sent me a picture that had been taken of uh, our, our high school yearbook. Now I went to a very small high school. I just got to acknowledge this, 32 students in my graduating class, largest graduating class in the history of the school, 32 students. So me being on a football team wasn't really saying a whole lot. But he sent me a picture of all of us on the football team. And i want to tell you, it was hilarious because we're all trying to look tough, and we really weren't that tough. But, but then I sent him back some pictures, some pictures of uh, my senior year football team, and, and actually some pictures of him making a tackle, and pictures of me as a, as a two-miler, and we just had a lot of laughs about those pictures. But I want to tell you one thing I do remember that we took seriously is the conditioning and the preparation, the sprints, the weight training. The the blocking practice, when I was getting ready to run a two-mile, I had to run eight miles a day in preparation. Why? Because you have to exercise your faith. Friends, listen, it's the same in the Christian life. You feed your faith, but then you have to grow your faith, and you grow your faith through exercise. You grow your faith through the disciplines of adding to your faith these character qualities. So that's what I want to say to you. Which is the one that you're going to go after at the start of 2023? Choose one. Pray over it. Say, God, help me to build this into my life. And then he says, test your faith. This is um, like going to the doctor's office. And some of you probably haven't been there for a while. and You need to be able to make that appointment. No elbows, please. Okay? Because you need to examine your faith. Examine your faith. Look at what he says. Negatively... He said, attested faith is not barren or unfruitful. He said, Don't be if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. In other words, the fruit of Christ's likeness is growing in your life. And he says, Also, you will not be nearsighted and blind. In other words, you can't see clearly the way things really are. Faith is a kind of sight. And he said, listen, if you if you and fortify your faith, you're gonna be able to see things much more clearly in your life. He says, also, you won't be forgetful. Peter actually, several times in this letter, says that his purpose in this letter is to remind them of things he's already taught them. In the first service, a mother said to me, she said, my daughter wanted to sit with me in church because she didn't wanna to go to, to kids' class. And I said, why did she wanna to go to kids' class? She says, I already know all those stories. Wrong answer. Friends, listen, you may already know a lot about the Bible, but God has to remind you of that because it's not what she, the information you have, but the transformation that has taken place. You really don't know anything biblically until it has changed you. So he said, don't, don't be forgetful. Positively stated, he said, a tested faith makes your calling and election sure, verse 10 that you will have that kind of character in your life to prove by transformation that your testimony your profession of faith is real we said it around here before i want to say it again that eternal security and perseverance of the saints works together works together and there has to be a changed life the evidence and conversion of a changed life he said it will keep you from spiritually stumbling he said if you practice these qualities you will never ultimately fail. Now, friends, we don't always get it right. If you're a perfectionist, I want you to understand something about the Christian life. You need a good dose of humility and of grace, because you don't always get it right. I don't always get it right. But but God won't let us fail when we fall down and we get back up. Why? Because our faith has been sifted, our faith has been tested, and we're still going to trust Him. And then He said, it anticipates a welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It anticipates that welcome. He's using terms that describe a, uh, an Olympic athlete or an Olympic team coming back to their city in the celebration that takes place. You know, um, the World Cup, if you didn't notice this, has just taken place. And uh, the World Cup, the, the team from Argentina, when you see them coming back home to Argentina, the celebration that there was is just a very big deal. I was talking to someone who served in Brazil recently, and he said, you know in the United States that you tend to vote out of office the president when the economy is bad? And by the way, over 100 years that's been true. When the economy is bad, whoever's president gets voted out. He said in Brazil, if our team loses the World Cup, we vote that president out. Now, what he's got to do with the World Cup, I don't know. But listen, this is anticipating that kind of a celebration, that welcome home into Christ's kingdom. If this year has taught me anything, friends, is that life is short, it's uncertain, and eternity is sooner than you think. Life is short, life is uncertain, and eternity is sooner than you think. Therefore, don't waste your life. You say, well, how do I keep from wasting my life? Feed your faith, grow your faith, test your faith. And you will live a life of purpose and intention. So how will you this year fortify your faith? I want to challenge you with this. Practically apply this to your life. How are you planning to feed your faith this year? What is your plan to have an intake of Scripture into your life? Read it, study it, memorize it, listen to it so that your faith is being developed. How are you going to grow your faith in terms of character? What character quality are you going to add to your life? And are you willing to honestly examine, to test your faith with humility and say, um, no, God, I've got some room for growth here. I've got some room for change. Testing your faith, examining your faith is a healthy spiritual practice. It takes humility to do that. But if you do, you will prosper and you will grow. I can't think of a better way, friends, to start a new year than to determine you will, with God's help, fortify your faith this year. Fortify your faith. Make this be the year when you prosper spiritually the most because you're choosing to fortify your faith. Friends, as I've been digging into this weeks coming up to this message, I'll tell you, God's spoken to me through this about where I need to fortify my faith. And I'm, I've got a running start already in 2023. I want you to join me. A running start. I've got a plan to feed my faith this year. I've identified some character qualities I need to work on this year. And I'm willing to have God examine and test my faith because I want to in humility say, God, here's an area where I'm blinded. Here's an area where I'm not fruitful. I need to really cooperate with you in this. How about you? Are you ready for 2023 to say, this is a year when I want to fortify my faith. Father in heaven, I pray over my brothers and sisters in Christ right now. I pray that God, no matter what 2022 has been in their life, standing on the threshold of a new year, a new week, a new day, may we be intentional in fortifying our faith. May we feed our faith. May we grow our character. May we test our faith. And God, as they do that, I pray, Father, for those that are here that have yet come to true faith in Christ. God, may this be the year. May this even be the day when the gospel of Jesus Christ explodes in their life and in all of its transforming power for his glory and for their good. In Jesus' name, amen.